Welcome to another week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover a band, artist, singer, songwriter. This week we're talking about Bill Withers. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. This is Tyler. And once again this week we are talking about Bill Withers. And how did everybody feel about listening to Bill Withers this week? It was a nice relaxing week. A little funky. A little fun. Most of it was pretty good. Most of it. Soulful. That's what I was going to say. Soulful. Soul. I I was surprised by uh, the amount of songs that he wrote and also uh, that he had... uh, the like the the song that it has the two songs that are the biggest songs being "Ain't No Sunshine" and "Lean On Me." What about like, Grandma's Hands? The two Grandma's Hands is songs. a good song, but it's it is big. not as big. No, not as it's those big. two. Those are like sitting on the dock of the bay and when a man loves a woman, and like those are like the pinnacle of sixties R and B soul music. Seventies and seventies. Were they all in the 60s, 70s? Yeah, he started, I believe his debut album was 71. Oh, really? Yeah. 70s. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's pretty alarming, honestly, just to go ahead and jump in a little bit. Uh, Withers was putting out an album basically every year mm-hmm. for a while, and he stopped his musical career in 85. Yep. So, like, the fact that he was just churning out albums like nothing. But he maintained his career at the factory initially. Did go you know on. that? Go on. When he he thought that the music industry was fickle, so he was like, um, you know, and so he someone you know mentioned that he should ought to pursue music, so he made an album. But when he made his first album, he continued his day job working at the factory because he's like, this ain't gonna last. Right. Little did he know. Little did he know he would be that he was very cool. Yeah. But yeah, his yeah his debut was in '71, and I will agree with you. I, I will concede to Jared that those are his two biggest songs. But I will say, for the record, out of the gate, my favorite song from Bill Withers is "Grandma's Hands." Oh, good. Oh, oh man. All I right. know. I know. We're getting we're we're jumping in quick. Let's just go right to it. Let's play some of it. I before you you before you start playing it, of course. I um, I was introduced to Bill Withers. From this song, I actually was not introduced by to Bill Withers. Well, I'm sure I had heard "Lean on Me," but I probably didn't know that it was a Bill Withers song prior to hearing it and saying, "Oh, that must be Bill Withers." So I was introduced to him otherwise. But when I realized it was Bill Withers, it was Grandma's Hands, and it was on an episode of Atlanta. I believe it was the debut episode of Atlanta, a show that has Donald Glover, i.e., Childish Gambino. He wrote and starred within that show. He chose to have that song as a part of it. And I heard the song and I said, that's a really good song. Who sings that? So I looked into it and that's how I fell into the album. Just as I am phenomenal debut record. Yep. Wonderful debut record. Wonderful song. Grandma's hands. in church on Sunday morning Grandma's hand played a tambourine so well Grandma's hand used to issue out a warning she'd say Billy don't you run so fast might fall on a piece of glass 
Hmm. That sounds familiar. Oh, did it? It did. What did that sound like? Sounds uh, a lot like the song No Diggity by Blackstreet. Let's kick to it. Isn't that Blackstreet? Yeah, that's... Okay. Yeah, and Dr. Dre's in there, I think. Yeah, Dr. Dre's in there. Yeah. You know what? I like the players. No diggity, no doubt. Play on, play at Play on, play at Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, fade to Black Street. The homies got at me, collab creations. There's Dre. Obviously, that came first. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, I didn't know he was in it, but because I forgot about Dre. Mm. Oh, yeah. I actually think the Ed Sheeran version came first. Oh no! Oh, Man, that's right. I don't like that. Yeah, don't like that. Ed Sheeran has been making music since the 1940s. We just didn't know it. Exactly. He's a vampire. That would explain a lot. Yeah. So that is my favorite Bill Withers. Song. I like that song quite a bit. It's I good. knew that song uh, back in the days of LimeWire. Mm. I had that song on my iPad, iPod, not iPad. They weren't even existed yet. Nope. On my iPod. Uh, so I, and I liked, obviously, uh, Lean on Me too. Is that is that you? Trying we're not to gonna something? do that. We're not yet. We gotta okay, go back just, into it. I was gonna say. I was. I, I thought we were getting a little ahead. So, um, like I said, I felt as though the debut record was a very, very wonderful debut record, and I was wondering because that's my personal favorite Bill Withers album. That's the album that has always stood out to me from Bill Withers. That's the album that I think has really his most essential sound to it. I don't know if you guys have a different album that stood out to you or if you felt as though Just As I Am was the album that stood out to you in the same way. That one definitely stood out to me. That was a real heavy hitter right out of the gate. Um, I think, man, I have two favorite songs. I don't know which one to pick, so I'll save it. I was going to pick one. I was going to pick Everybody's Talking. Mm -hmm. A good one. Mm -hmm. The cover. It is a cover. Do you know who it's by? Is it, uh, hold on. Harry Harry Nielsen Nielsen that's right yep I could see why that would be a favorite of yours so as a cover it's definitely it's my favorite cover for sure we talked about Harry Nielsen people covering that song not long ago yeah I don't remember why but yeah we did I uh, still Bill's really good as well yes I would agree that still Bill is definitely the follow-up yeah. that was necessary you start to get a little more funk in it Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where it starts to shift towards funk, and then basically from that point on, there's the sounds a lot fuller. Yes, which I is agree. kind of it's it's still pretty good. It's still good, actually. Like one thing I can say about Bill Withers is that he makes really good pop music. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. It's all very good quality. It's all quality pop music because uh, it once it starts to get more funk, it kind of flattens out a little bit and you kind of blend more of the R&B soul funk together. It becomes kind of a pop based fusion of all that stuff. But still, Bill and Just As I Am kind of stand as a little more solidly as the kind of soul R&B works. Mm -hmm. They have more feeling behind them. Those yes. first two. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, there's a it's the blues. Mm -hmm. I think the blues aspect of the album is the thing that really, really drives those albums forward. And I think that once, I think one of the big things too, and this is from my own perspective and you guys may feel differently. I think that the songwriting kind of deteriorates in terms of like, I think that he goes from singing these kind of like very essential and really heartfelt and bluesy songs like Grandma's Hands, Ain't No Sunshine, so on and so forth. And then on his later albums, I would say maybe by like album four, 
it's just kind of like love songs, like a good, like a bluesy ish, yeah. but mostly funk love song. And it's not bad. By, like it's not bad by any means. It's just not the level that I would expect from a songwriter like Bill Withers. I think that he's kind of, kind of going to the well and saying, I've kind of run out of really strong songwriting ideas. So I'm just going to go with what is easy to a certain degree. And it kind of, I don't want to say it ruined the album for me, but it certainly lessened the quality of the album for me that he did not necessarily come to the table with a lot of really strong songwriting ideas. I think that he had a lot coming into his career and he left with a little less idea wise, if that makes sense. The later stuff too, like basically anything after still bill, because of the production on it and the increase of, of, you know, the fullness of the sound, it actually doesn't allow you to focus more on his voice either, which sucks because he's got a really great voice. I agree. And his, his singing abilities are part of what makes him the artist that he is. So his voice is way more prominent on the first two. And that's really, it's unfortunate that that's where it leads to. I mean, the good part about it is all of the, you know, the fuller sound, everything that's in it is still quite good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like trading tit for tat where one of them was just not as good. I'd much rather just have his voice. I agree. You know. Well, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I had that same thought and I almost questioned myself. I was like, usually I really like a full sound, but do I really want just Bill Withers stripped back? And I think I do. I think that that's what makes him so important is that sound of him as mm -hmm. an artist rather than taking him and like, not to say that like Al Green is bad or anything, but like making him into an Al Green and just making him into a funk artist and making him into a soul artist that like is doing kind of the same thing that other funk and soul artists are when he actually is just a very successful, uh, very, you know, singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of the thing where um, the more resources you have, the more chances you have to like go out of your comfort zone and it doesn't always work right. right. Whereas if you really condense it you have less to work with but you really have to make what you have work i wonder if he wasn't i mean he was on stacks initially which is a huge it's the biggest soul label in the country in memphis and i don't know if he was later on but maybe they pushed kind of pushed towards that as well no he switched on uh making music okay i believe he went to columbia well, that would definitely do it. I would be surprised to see Stax try to push towards that, but Columbia makes much more sense. I could be I could be totally wrong, but I believe I believe I believe it was Columbia. His first uh couple albums, he was allowed to just do whatever. Uh they brought him in. He said it even sounds kind of like a demo almost. Uh which is what's so nice about it. Right. Uh the further he went on, the more people were involved as well, and it really just kind of It's not bad, but no, it's still really good. It's good pop music. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. There's some interesting stuff in there. I I still think "Lovely Day" is a really good song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you it's know. Good. And he's got. I think there's other stuff on Menagerie that's really good. I actually think that. Well, I don't know because he kind of allowed him to play with more stuff. Because, for instance, on "Naked and Warm," he delves further into the rhythmic aspect of it. You know what I mean? And it sounds kind of more of a roots in terms of like. Uh, you know, not American root music, but, you know, like he's going somewhere to some mm -hmm. type of more roots of some sort. So I don't know. There were some choices throughout his discography where it's clear that the ability to have a larger sound allowed him to think about something else. I thought. But it just wasn't. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought Naked and Warm was interesting, but I think it's my least favorite out of everything yeah. we listen to. I would say so. Though I will say, and I kind of have to revisit, those last two albums just did not, they didn't resonate a whole lot with me to the point that I'm not sure if I liked Naked and Warm more or less than them because I have to revisit them to figure out even how I felt about them. Like they just, I listened to them, I think two times each and I still just, I don't know. There's something about those albums, those last two albums from Bill Withers just didn't really strike a chord with me. On the album about love, he has a song called love. And then the next song is love is. Yeah. It, that's what his songwriting kind of revolved. <laughs> and around then prior that. to that, it's look to each other for love. So it's three love songs with love in the title in a row. And the second track is dedicated to you, my love. <laughs> Four songs about love on about love. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense, but yeah. like, why not just make all of them love named? The whole album is just called Love. He covers Love Will Tear, tear Us Apart. Oh my there. gosh, that'd be cool. Yeah, if only he could have. He could have. He could have. It was in the. It was in the era. Did you? I I liked uh, some stuff from the album Adjustments. Did you? Oh, adjustments. Yeah, adjustments. Yeah, it's, it's well, no, it's called. It's pronounced adjustments because it's supposed to be that's supposed to be a plus sign but spotify didn't uh, put the plus sign oh really yeah that's interesting it's plus it looks like just oh. an abbreviated now it's Ad supposed to be adjustments yep that's i saw sweet. i see that i see that here on mm-hmm. yeah hmm. anyways what does this say oh i like the last track uh railroad man yeah it is good it's quite good i played it for caleb and him he'd already heard it but uh, I, I played him my favorite little bit from it. I couldn't remember what transportation device it was. I believe I was like, is this the song about the airplane? Is that your favorite song? No, it's not my favorite song, but I want you to play that little bit. Sometime I could just stand up all by myself and just get funky listening to the train. And I used to pick up a handful of gravels and throw them down on the ground for time. Yeah, and I'd make up songs. I'd sing. He was a man. I like that. Yeah, That's pretty good. That, <laughs> uh-huh. that song reminds me of uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. which is because that's kind of the direction that Temptations went in in that early 70s, which was, came out two years prior, mm-hmm. 72 instead of 74. But that's kind of what that reminds me of and the, and the move towards it as well. Yeah. That's interesting because uh, on that album, it's the single, the lead single is The Same Love That Made Me Laugh, which was later covered by Diana Ross. Oh, there you go. Hey. Look at that. That's fun. uh, Have we talked about making music yet? Not not really. Very, very, very briefly. So uh, somebody is on that record as a guitarist, and this was uh, in 1975, mind you, and it was none other than Mr. Ray Parker Jr., Mr. Ghostbuster himself. Mm. Really? Mm. That was in 1975, and Ghostbusters hadn't even come out until, what, 80 something? 82? 82? That's what I was thinking, 82 maybe? So he hadn't even stole that song yet. He hadn't even stole it. It was in 1984, yeah. He was the guitarist, as was Wawa Watson, who played guitar. Wawa Watson. Watson. And and he played guitar effects. Can oh you believe boy. the Wawa did that? Hell, he did. That's probably where the name came from was Wawa. <laughs> I thought that album was, that was a pretty decent album. Yeah. I liked I Love You, Dawn, and she's I like She's Lonely as well. That was pretty good. Song Family Table was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. 
hello like before. Hello again. It's pretty I think I mean his career is pretty good up until I like make love to your mind off that album. Yeah, that was a good one. That's true. It's very funky. Yeah. Very groovy. I like it. It's pretty good stuff. Honestly, the yeah. only album that stood out to me as an album that I wasn't super fond of was Naked and Warm. And then again, like I said, I, I have to revisit the 78 and 85 records because I just don't think that either of them resonated enough with me. For Well, me. I wonder where Watching You, Watching Me came from because that's seven years after Bout Love. So I wonder if the label wasn't like, got to make another album, Bill. Because it's not his style. It, it, it tinted with 80s. Yeah. You know, and it's not really his style necessarily. I mean, his voice still suits the music, but... I, wa- I just wonder where it came from. Well, do you think that his his style of music is more of that early, like, two-album bluesy, stripped-back, kind of, like, minimalistic style? Or yeah. do you think of Bill Withers as the next, like, three or four albums forward where he's kind of making more of, like, a funky, um, kind of a funk soul album? Which one do you think is more of the Bill Withers that you associate with him? The first two. Yeah, yeah, the early the early work, no doubt. I think so too. But that's but what I'm more saying. More of his, his work was in the funk realm, really. Yeah, but what I I mean when I think about him as an artist and a singer and a songwriter, I mean, the songwriting is still good later on, but it's just not as interesting. And there's right. not as much. It doesn't vary as much because it's harder to vary that stuff. Right. You know, you have to get a driving beat. Like even funk follows a pretty driving beat. You know, so you've already got a foundation that's similar for most songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you've so and the guitar play is similar. And you know, all funk guitar play has a similar feel. And when it's not super, you know, when you're not just a funk band who just blares all kinds of crazy funk stuff. Right. When you're making pop music with funk elements, you know, you're kind of, you're you you're not going to do all sorts of stuff. You know what I mean? So I just think that the early stuff is much more interesting and it his voice is much more prominent and I think that's key well i guess my point with that is saying like if you look at like the 85 record and you say yeah it's got a lot of like you know an 80s feel to it It doesn't feel like his music it's almost as though most of his music doesn't feel like his music in a lot of ways like most of his music after the first two albums doesn't really feel like bill withers in a lot of ways it feels like it's kind of something to me about it feels as though bill withers went from being bill withers to being an artist who was making funk music and was less of Bill Withers throughout a lot of his, like, and I think that there were moments where he continued to shine. Like again, lovely day for sure. Lovely right. day is for sure. A place where he was shining mm-hmm. on another one of his. Yes. That and album uh, is good. Another song, good. another song that we, uh, that was not on one of his albums, but the song he did with Grover Washington Jr., mm-hmm. Just the Two of Us. Yep. I didn't, I mean, like, I know that song, but I just didn't think of it as being a Bill Withers song. You don't think right. of Bill Withers having a hit song in the 80s? Mm-hmm. No. no. You know, but I, I like that song quite a bit, too. It's a good song. Um, yeah. A lot of people have covered that song. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Bill Withers has a lot of songs. Hey, Doctor, he's got a setup. Doctor, Doctor Evil. Doctor Evil? Did he? Yeah. Y'all didn't I remember that in Austin that. Powers? And Mini Me sings the deep part. You and uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, uh, Eminem did a version of it. He used that as a hook. Uh, Will Smith did the same thing. Um, but the one I want to play a little bit of here uh, is Bill Cosby, "Just the Slew of Us." Oh boy, we can't play this. Oh yes, we can. 
Oh, that's special, bad. That's bad. Special barbecue sauce. Oh, oh that's real bad. Oh my. Yeah, he was definitely putting popping on that thing. Oh Yo, he was putting popping all over that track. Just the 20 of us. Oh, I'm sorry. That looked like more. It was just the eight of us. Well, he was confused because of the drugs. I hate that that was kind of funny, and I don't he, want to yeah, think. Yeah, but it's funny the because thing is, I don't want to think that it was funny. The thing is, he is one of the greatest comedians of all time. He's you just an awful person. Exactly. You can't, like, move past it. Like... He's one of the greats. He's just awful. I know. As a human, yes. Yeah. Oh, no. Good thing comics aren't people. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Thank God. Woo! Jerry Seinfeld is just a TV show. He's yeah. not a person. He's not real. He's mm-hmm. a robot. Does anybody want to state their favorite track of Bill Withers at this point in time? I'm having a hard time. What do you got, Tyler? You I could do it. Let him do it. Yeah, I could do ahead. it if you What's want to. My favorite track by Bill Withers is off of Still Bill. It's Use Me. Mm. Good track. I want to spread the news That if it feels it's good getting used Oh, you just keep on using me Until you use me up Oh, yeah. That use of percussion right there. It's really good just to take up the space. Uh Uh-huh. My intro to Bill Withers is that song, and uh, my intro to Bill Withers and that song was in the movie Anchorman, Hmm. when Christina Applegate's character steps out of the taxi when when she's first introduced in the film to go into the building to tell everyone that they suck because they're a bunch of sexists. Mm -hmm. That song plays. She steps out of the taxi to that song. I find it interesting that both of our introductions to Bill Withers were not his most popular song, and they were both through... Popular media. There you go. Dax, what's your introduction to old Bill? Oh, man. I, I don't know. Like you, could, you don't have a pinpoint? I, I don't have a specific point in Because, time. I mean, I no, feel I like everybody kinda... knows Lean On Me. Yeah. But they don't always know. Yeah. Like, if, if, you, if you polled 100 people and said, do you know Lean On Me? All of them would say probably yes. But I would say only a, a small well, percentage, yeah. 10, 10 to 20% of them would say, oh, yeah, it's Bill Withers. Well, then, yeah, younger people particularly. I mean, that would be yeah. the first Bill Withers song I ever heard. Yeah. I used to hear it on the radio. My mom would listen to a 60s radio mm-hmm. station. And that's where, that's where I would hear it initially anyway yeah so that that would probably have been the first song i heard but in the same way you know it didn't introduce me to him as an artist and this use me did introduce me to him as an artist because i was older and of course and i could you know things were different but my dad i was sitting at my house my parents house and this was when i was after i'd moved out of course because <clears throat> parents suck no it's because i got old and they, made they just it. don't understand that's, oh, what Will that's Smith right said. darn you I was the reality that, is you little because i got scallion i got old and they forced me to leave and uh, I was sitting at my parents' house with my dad, and I was talking to him, and I said, you know who's pretty sweet is Bill Withers. And he's like, oh, yeah? And I was like, yeah, you don't know who Bill Withers is, man? He was, my father was born in the 50s, so I'm like, how do you not know who Bill Withers is? 
And then eventually he found out who Bill Withers is. And he goes, I love that song, Use Me. Like, that's, I love that song. That's an awesome song. I'm like, I know. I told you he was good. And now my dad, he's, he, my father loves that song. And uh, he's, there's been little things to come up over the course of time for him to continue to tell me how much he loves it. He went to, in my hometown, there's a barbecue and blues festival in August. And he went to it. And he called me. He goes every year. And I was in Muncie. And he called me on the phone. I'm like, hey, what? And I knew he was going to be there. I go, what are you what are you doing? He goes, listen to this song. They're playing it. This blues band was playing a cover of that song. He's like, they're playing that Bill Withers song. And I'm just like, you're insane. I love that your relationship with your father is based off of a Bill Withers song. It's just funny because it's, I was, I thought about, you know, kind of writing something up when he died about, you know, a little, people write stuff Mm. on wherever about how it's weird. The relationship you can have with the person you don't actually know. Right. But music is a, is a connector that allows you to do that. Mm. And about how those that also works its way into your relationships with people you do know. And my father would be an example with that. You know, because I texted him and told him, did you see Bill Withers died? And he said, oh, no. And then I didn't say anything. And he goes, and then he texts me back in all caps, I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he, he knows. Me. So it's he just knows. like, so yeah, but... That's funny. Yeah. It's interesting because, so, I mean, obviously, Lean On Me and Ain't No Sunshine are two of his, the biggest songs he has. But I would argue that the most personal and emotional song is Grandma's Hands. Oh, for sure. Oh, most you know, like, yeah. I mean, no doubt. you can tell even, you know, within the lyrics of the song and the way he performs it. I mean, Lean On Me is a song that is about brotherhood and friendship throughout the world, basically. Yeah. But Grandma's Hands is about that individual person, his own grandmother. Right. I watched a live performance of him doing that song, and at the beginning, he said it was the song that meant the most to him while mm-hmm. he was writing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He, he, I mean, he, that is the song for him, and that's why I think that song stands out to me as a listener, is that I know how much that song, as a, a writing project, is something that really, really meant something to him as an artist. We listened to a little bit of his live at Carnegie Hall um, mm-hmm. CD, and I'm sure it was a special or something like that as well. But he did a, a relatively long intro to Grandma's Hands telling kind of the story about it. And it's funny because he is like a really good talker and he yeah. is super funny. Like if you listen to the live at Carnegie or live some other live thing on YouTube, yeah. like he could have probably been a stand-up comedian. Was um, I'm mixing things up. Was that the one where he was talking about like a beautiful woman? Or is that in the live performance that I watched? It must have been the live performance you watched. Because he was he talking was, about like going to church yeah. and they would sing songs at church. Yeah. And some of them were just like really low, like kind of somber songs, but not his grandma's church. They sang real upbeat Jesus songs. And he <laughs> said, that's why they'd have to tie down the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> like just all of it was, it was so funny. He, he had a whole bit on the live performance that I watched. And I, I, I will not be able to quote it perfectly, but I will give you a synopsis basically. He was like... You know, for for a man, you know, they love a, a long-legged woman. And for a, a woman, they love a sultry, sexy man. And sometimes those things get a little mixed up, but that's not the point. And this song is about a woman who's very important to me, but she's not a very pretty woman. She's my grandma. And like that, <laughs> like, that was the setup. Yeah, that was the setup to the song. That's and it was weird. like, that's it was phenomenal. so much. He went, he went on and it was, it was funny. It was like, it was thoughtful, you know, like he was clearly like thinking about what he had to say about the song. So that song obviously stood out to him to have something to say about it. 
And whenever he, what I've noticed is when he does live performances of that song specifically, he kind of changes the pace of the song. He changed like the, mm, like that kind of like shifts into a different time, like signature mm-hmm. that he, when he comes in on different signatures and like, it's, I don't know. He likes to experiment with that song. I can tell for uh, live at Carnegie hall. He started with use me. That was his opening. Hey. That was his opening. I love that yeah. song. You do? Oh, I know someone that you, that you may get along with. He's my father. He I'd needs, love to meet him. He wants more friends, you know, so. I hang out with him when all this is over. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah, I can't believe he called me just to tell me. And he put it on speakerphone and held his phone up. He's like, listen to it. <laughs> and I'm like. I think I settled. You wild. On my favorite song. Please. Okay, cool. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Lovely Day. Mm, good choice. I had a handful that I was bouncing around, but it's I think so, that's where I'm landing. It's really good. It's a worthwhile song yeah, to play. Yeah, it's a really good song. Let's, let's go for it. And I know it's gonna be a lovely The song is notable for Withers' sustained note towards the end, which at 18 seconds long is one of the longest ever recorded on a song. Really? I want that 18 second note. It was about 15 seconds. Yeah. Wow. Long. Yeah, that's that a long lengthy. note, my little Bill. Quite long. Pretty Man's cool. Got, man had some lungs on him. That's for right. sure. I like that song. That's a good song. It is a good song. The chorus is fun because it's a little bit of like a rhythmic thing going with the vocals in the chorus. That's kind of fun. I enjoy funk music for its ability to have a, a heavy drive on the bass. Mm-hmm. And you don't get a lot of genres that like focus on the bass sound. And how that groove kind of like drives the music. And I think that this like, like, mm, mm. That is exactly why I like it. Uh, bass is one of my favorite things to hear in a song. It's so good. It just, mm, when it's done well. Groovy. Mm. Ray Parker Jr. played guitar on that song. Mm. That's one of the songs he played guitar on. Who did they call about that song? They called, uh, they, first they called Ray Parker Jr. And he said, who are you going to call? And they said, no, it's not. Don't, not, not gonna get and they're like, not yet. Not well, yet. They called Huey Lewis first, and then they called Ray Parker. Oh. Uh, gross. Oh, my. Did he? So, uh, I mean, it sounds like he had some consistent people he worked with in the mm-hmm. studio. Yeah. I, I looked at some of the uh, personal personnel that was on there. Ray Parker Jr. played guitar on a few albums, uh, but I didn't really. I mean, like, he had different session people, I think, throughout, you know, the history of his music. What about his touring I don't know. Act. It swelled, of course, over time, I would say. But I wondered mm-hmm. if... Mm-hmm. His sound definitely does get very much bigger over time, right. for sure. I, and we've already talked about that a little bit. But I think that's... I mean, that's worth talking about a little bit, is just the, the idea that his music, like, over time, just became not even just more poppy, but just a bigger. larger sound. That's what I'm wondering about. You know, I, I haven't thought about it really much until now, but it's... a an interesting point of like a, for instance, a current, uh, when you think, when you see like a modern pop artist with a synth and you've got, and sometimes, you know, 
use various different, you know, they don't always have a band with them, you know, so are they performing over partially recorded, you know, bits of music and stuff. But I wonder, you know, in that era, because in the when you start to get big backing bands and have all of these different sounds, you know, what is he touring and performing live with a small collection and some of it's pre-recorded or are they trying to replicate everything? You all wa- you saw a video, so I'm assuming you have an idea. Yeah, so I watched a, a live performance of him doing, um, I believe it was Ain't No Sunshine, which obviously has, you know, that's one of his early songs that has a little bit more of that orchestral yeah. kind of swelling background to it. Um, and he did not have all of those elements in the live performance. It was more just like them kind of like, playing with that with guitar and bass and drum and just kind of the normal typical instruments that you would see in a session setup. And they, they really did not incorporate a lot of those sounds into it. So I wonder if a lot of his live performances henceforth would have that same kind of style. Yeah. I wonder that because when someone is an artist who goes by the, like the title of their name, you know, you're a, you're a solo artist. It's like a lot of times it's first off, it's difficult to find someone who does that in a genre that you can really appreciate the musical output apart from just it being pop or their voice, you know, or something like that. So, but obviously with his early work, you know, the musical aspect of it had a lot of importance just as much as his voice did because it's a little more, everything's more minimal. So everything means a little more. And he put, there was time put into that. So, and it just makes me wonder, you know, how do you balance out touring and not having everyone or, you know, yourself as a solo artist, but saying the other stuff that people do really matters a lot too. You know, today we don't have that issue as much because so much of the pop realm is fabricated in terms of the musical aspect of, you know, a song. So it is really just the person singing that people really care about. But here it's a little bit different. That's true. So I think that one of the last things uh, that are really worth kind of, I guess, delving into is kind of the end of his career. He really, I, I mean, he really kind of faded out in a lot of ways. He he transitioned away from music. He went, I mean, really, he went back to his life. And it, it was beneficial to him that he had already been through. So early in his life, he was in, I believe the, not the Navy was the air force. What was he in? The Navy. Was it the Navy? I was right. Okay. So it was the Navy. Um, I couldn't remember for sure. So he was in the Navy. He had had a job. He had kind of already had a life outside of music prior to going into music. And so his transition away from music was a little bit smoother. He didn't feel as though, because I think he had a lot of, um, a lot of distrust for the music industry. And when it got to that point in his career, he was like, I, I don't really want to mess with this anymore. I'm kind of done with this. He wanted to move on. And he very had a very easy and smooth transition out of music. And so really, 85 on, we didn't hear anything from Bill Withers, but he has been alive for mm-hmm. 35 years. You know, like, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's been able to, I believe he was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is that correct? That's probably right. Yeah, I would think so. He's in a Hall of Fame. I know he's, he's in, in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Songwriters Hall. And of he fame. was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2015. Okay, thank you. Um, so he, you know, he's had accolades that have come over time for his career, but he has not necessarily like continued his career musically over the last again 35 years prior to his passing, which occurred what was it about a month and a half ago now? 
Yeah, it was. Well, it was right around the same time as John Prine. So it was. <clears throat> it was in early April. So it's been about a month, I believe, something of that nature. Yeah, he was featured on a 2004 album, "Licensed to Chill," by yeah Jimmy Buffett. No yeah, man, he was on the on the track, uh, playing the loser again. He wrote it and he featured with him. When you come back for a record, that's not the one you expect to come back mm-hmm. for. I mean, he just wanted to go hang out in Florida. He also co-wrote the song Simply Complicated with Jimmy Buffett, track eight. Is that not an Avril Lavigne song? Oh, no. It must be. I think it is. Oh, no. You know, if I was coming out of retirement, I would I would play with Jimmy Buffett. I'd play with Avril Lavigne. It makes the most sense. Well, Avril Lavigne uh, died in 2003. <laughs> oh, she is a clone. You're right. I'm sorry. You're, you're correct about that. Anyways. Yeah, I... I don't know. So if you look at his career, like from then on, there were, you know, flashes, but we really didn't get to hear much more from Bill Withers. And, you know, if you look at an artist like a John Prine, who we had kind of the benefit of being able to hear a closing album from that artist, we didn't really get that from Bill Withers. So, you know, he kind of passed away without having a final note to his music. I guess. I'd say Just the Two of Us, I think, was probably his last recorded song. It's a pretty good end, I think. Yeah. Uh, when he was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2015, he was inducted by Mr. Um, Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, he described the honor as an award of attrition. What few songs I wrote during my brief career, there ain't a genre that somebody didn't record them in. I'm not a virtuoso, but I was able to write songs that people could identify with. I don't think I've done bad for a guy from Slab Fork, West Virginia. That's fair. That's, I, that's a good, like, kind of sum up of his career. Well, you know, like, he understood that he he's not, you know, the pinnacle of music, but, you know. His songwriting was important. And yes. people, people took note of that and they wanted In to multiple genres. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, he's just kind of a normal guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what he has always kind of been. And I, and I've heard, like, you know, I've heard a lot of people kind of mention that he's he's just kind of a normal dude. I think one of the I don't I don't remember which song it is. I think oh man, hold on, let me look really quick. It's off of the debut record when he's introducing the album and he's like, by now you know the name of this album is my name. What is that? Did he have Morgan Freeman on there? I don't remember. It's it's off of that album, and I do not remember exactly how he says it. He's like by now you know that the name of this album is my name or something like that. And like, it's just a very like down to earth, like kind of humorous kind of, I don't know. Like he was just very human. He was a very human artist. And I think that we don't get enough of those. (laughs) So I'm, I'm just reading a little article from Rolling Stone called Bill Withers, the soul man who walked away. And they just talk about how, uh, you know, he walked away from the, from the music world on, you know, of his own volition. And, and he just, and that's it. He just said, okay. And, uh, they quoted him and they said, he said, these days I wouldn't know a pop chart from a pop tart. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he is a, he is a comedic legend. We didn't even know it. That's awesome. A pop chart from a pop tart. That's great. Well, that is, I mean, like he could have stuck around, but I think he recognized in 85, I mean, in 78, he kind of he, knew it was yeah. that he wasn't relevant. In 85, he, he had that last album because probably contractually obligated to do it. Probably. And it wasn't, you know, it didn't become a hit. 
And then he could have just continued to make records that people didn't really care about, or he could just move on with his life. You know, I mean, he's probably making a lot of money on the royalties from Lean on me alone. Yeah. And yeah, it ain't no sunshine and, and Ma, grandma's hands. And love, yep. I mean, like, yeah. if you write all those big hits and if you can and make you can four live on major it. hits, you're good. You're sold. You're done. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's a song that I found that was on uh, the live album, um, live at Carnegie Hall. It's called I Can't Write Left Handed. He also released it uh, on like a greatest hits or something like that. I, I thought it was really good. It is a uh, kind of, it is a political statement song um, about the the war, Vietnam. I would presume. Um, he, he's he has a spoken word intro to it, um, and then he. Uh, so here's what some of the the lyrics. So he says, uh, "Where did I go?" So he said, "And I can remember." Well, maybe I should you want to play it. Yeah, or read it. I guess okay. I can play it. All right. Well, right. I don't know. What's Let's go for important. it. I can remember not too long ago seeing a young guy with his right arm gone. Just got back. And I asked him how he was doing. He said he was doing all right now, but he had thought he was going to die. He said, getting shot at didn't bother him. It was getting shot that shook him up. It just tells a really good story, and it's a good... um, It's not even really an anti-war song. It's just a song that deals with what the consequences of going to war is. Sure. You know, you want to, like, recognize that when people come back from something like that, that they are obviously affected. And kind of, you know, like his thought on how this guy maybe thought mm-hmm. with it. And it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not like humorous, but some of the things that he says in it are poignant. S- satirical almost. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, what do too- you got from that? <clears throat> you got some more from that article? The thing, he's, just, he's just a funny dude because he said that uh, most people just think he died. Yeah. You know, this is from, this is from when he was 76. So this was, uh, this is from like 2015. Yeah. So, you know, oh yeah, he said people think that he died. And he said sometime he said a very famous minister called him to find out whether he was dead or not, and he told him, Let me check. That's what he said. <laughs> That's probably Al Sharpton. <laughs> and then he said he was No, he no, said, Jesse Jackson. Jesse That's what Jackson. I meant to say. Sorry. He said people don't recognize him when he goes places. They don't mm-hmm. know it's him. He said he was at the Roscoe's chicken and waffles and he was eating lunch and the church ladies were in there eating lunch. And they were talking about this Bill Withers song that they sang in church. And he said he got up on his elbow and leaned over the booth and he said to him, ladies, it's odd you should mention that because I'm Bill Withers. And they said, you ain't no Bill Withers. You're too light-skinned to be Bill Withers. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my. What a character. Imagine being famous and somebody saying, no, you're not famous. Yeah. (laughs) Your skin is too light. You ain't black enough to be Bill Withers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what he said when he's eating that <laughs> Roscoe's. Mm-hmm. 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 I think I'll uh, I'll decide on Lead on Me is my favorite. It's I mean it's well if you're gonna have a Bill Withers podcast you gotta play that damn yeah. song. Oh, I think I we're agree. gonna close on it. Please. Well, we can, well you we know can what we're gonna close on. 
Yeah. Ain't no sunshine yeah. now, baby. Yep. Didn't we open with that? No. No, no wait, no, we opened with You fool. There was one track before. I, you I forgot. Fools. Sometimes in our lives we all have pain. We all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me. It was a great. It is a great song. I like that song a lot. Yep. I got one more thing for you. Get they interview, uh, you know, a couple people just asking about stuff, and they interviewed Questlove. Ooh. And Questlove says that uh, Bill Withers is the last African American everyman. He said Jordan's vertical jump has to be higher than everyone. Michael Jackson has to defy gravity. On the other side of the coin, we're often viewed as primitive animals. We rarely land in the middle. Bill Withers is the closest thing black people have to Bruce Springsteen. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I Speaking like that. of that, actually, uh, The Roots and John Legend covered I Can't Write, write Left-Handed on an album. Nice. So nice, that man. is relevant for asking Questlove, the drummer of The Roots. And that's pretty cool. There you go. Yeah, it is cool. That's, I brought up that dang song. I didn't even know you were going to talk about hey, Questlove. There we Who go. Knew? I snuck it in there for you. Who knew? Also, uh, and Bruce Springsteen. I figured you'd be yes, all over that. Yes, of course. Was um, Stevie Wonder involved in that too? <clears throat> uh, I didn't see that. I, I know that. Uh, he did. There was some stuff around. Thank you. No, oh, man. He saw it. Stop. He saw it. Just get to your point. You know, just, there's like a gravitational aura around Mike stands. You can just sense when it's thrown off. And sometimes you got to catch them. That's true. Without looking. I really enjoy the cover by Club Nouveau of Lean On Me. They won a Grammy for it in 1988. And I believe Bill Withers was actually there because you stop laughing right I now. I tried to bring that up like a half I know, I know. Yeah, but he worked it back in at a point where it actually <laughs> I makes wanted sense. To. Yeah, thank so you. Good. It's almost like I've been doing this for a goddamn year. And he's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Dang blasted fool. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, they won a Grammy for it in 1988. And I guess he was at the Grammy Awards to, you know, accept... Because he wrote it, obviously, and so they, they right. credited him, him with it. I don't know what they want it for. Uh, they didn't have any other hits than that. Best if you cover. Will, we talked about this earlier. Oh, uh, that's not best a real cover. If you'll play just a little bit of the cover, go to, uh, I think, 445. That's where they did a little fun thing I like. And I say it as often as I can. I love that so much. We be jamming. I love that cover. It's so like different. I mean, when it's you do quite a, a different cover. when you do a different cover of a song, of a well known song like that, mm-hmm. you better bring your own flair to it. And they certainly did. And they won a Grammy. Beautiful thing. Bill Bill old Bill loved it. I'm sure because he you know signed his approval on it for but sure. I love that song for a long time. I think they're one hit wonder also for that. But pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, on that note, do we have any other closing thoughts about Bill Withers, or does that kind of uh, does that lean into the end of this episode? As mm. one would might say, I guess it leans in. He's just kind of a pinnacle 
of soul R&B in the 70s. You I know agree. what I mean? Like, I would agree. It's, I guess it's kind of... He's underrepresented it. Yeah, what? I would think he would kind of, I don't know, outside of his hits, maybe, because yeah. both of both Most people recognize yeah. his hits, but they don't mm-hmm. recognize him as an artist. I would say yes. so. Yeah. In that sense, in terms of his wealth of good music, he's underrated in that sense, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Because we know that all of Just As I Am and Still Built, the whole, both of them are good. Yeah, Every they're song good on albums. all of them. They're good albums. You know what sure. I mean? And most people don't know. Yeah. But four songs between the two of them. I, I love his debut. Like yeah, I've already it is mentioned really that, good. but it's a great it's a great album in its own right. And I think that more people would they would benefit to know that that album in particular and still build, really, both of those albums are worth looking into and not just for the singles. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to do like a list of the pinnacle like R&B songs of each decade. Mm-hmm. So like you have um, uh, Stand By Me by Benny King as like one of the biggest from the 60s. You have Lean On Me as one of the biggest from the 70s. And then you just go on like 80s, I feel 90s. like you've already started the list. Yeah, and you basically have covered the two decades where it's really worth it to cover it. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's sure. something really good in the 80s. I'm trying to well, think. Well, did you, in the 80s. What would be the biggest? Well, he they won an award for... Uh, Whatever song we talked about, he did with with uh, maybe like "We Are the World." That's a pretty good one. What song was from the '80s? You and I. That won an award, you know. You and for I. Soul. Won yeah. An award. Was it a major award? Yeah, it was a major award for that for that song. I think that um, uh, "Unbreak My Heart" by Tony Braxton or "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston are the now two biggest some, that from the from the '90s That's for fair. sure. That's fair. But we and are, if you want the rest of our list, check out our whatever when we're going to do it. I Tracy, would love to do that. That'd be fun. Fast car, Tracy Chapman. Ooh, that's a good one, too. And on that note, I think we're good. All right. Ain't no sunshine? Yeah. Sunshine when she's gone. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. It's not warm when she's away. We've been talking about Bill Withers this week. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And this next week, we're going to be talking about PJ Harvey. Anytime she goes away. Check out our social media. Check out our Facebook, Twitter, Wonder Instagram. Check us out on Patreon.com. Patreon slash Record Roundtable. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And this house just ain't no home Anytime she goes away